0: things so if i'm talking for about 10 minutes you're going oh i don't know where this is going stick with me because i genuinely believe the lord wants to speak because the lord isn't going to speak quite honestly we may as well have a cup of tea and go home now really in reality so let's uh let's open in prayer father i pray that your holy spirit would speak specifically to me today amen right We're doing a series in Hebrews, it's about real faith, we're on to number 10 already, doesn't time fly when you're having fun, and uh, I'm going to read a good chunk of the Word of God, because the Word of God is what we base our lives on, this is the central thing, this is what we believe in, this is our life, and we're going to read Hebrews um, 11, verses 23 to 29, and it's the tiniest overview of the life of Moses. Thank you Helen, awesome isn't it? So here we go. Let me read these few verses from verse 23 to you. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasuries of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on a dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So the background here is the people of God had been in Israel. Joseph had, um, through miracles of God, had delivered his people, and the people of the children of Israel had moved down to Egypt, and they'd been there probably for about 430 years. So they come from their homeland because of a famine, a need. They come down to Egypt. And now they were getting thoroughly blessed and they were growing and increasing and just living normal lives. So if we turn to Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. And we're just going to get a bit of background now on the, the life of this man, Moses. And uh, if you find it more helpful to close your eyes and kind of picture it as if it was a video or a DVD, then do feel, do feel free. But I'm just going to start from Exodus chapter 1 and read 7 through to 12. The Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will be even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built pith, Pithom, I've been practicing that, and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Then um, the, uh, the Egyptians got very upset about this. So they had a, wo- a quiet word with the midwives. And they said, whenever the Israelis... Have male children, just kill them, okay? But the midwives were more fearful of God than the king, and uh, say some quite funny things, but I'll leave you to read that for yourself. But God bless them, and uh, the Israelites continued to grow. So uh, we get to verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to his people: Every boy that is born to you must be thrown into the river, and let every girl live. they awful. So, we're going to chapter 2 now. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. "'and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. "'She saw the basket among the reeds "'and sent a slave girl to get it. "'She opened it and saw the baby. Ah! "'And he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. "'This is one of the Hebrew babies,' she said. "'Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, "'Shall I go and get a nurse of one of the Hebrew women "'to nurse the baby for you?' "'Yes, go,' she answered. "'And the girl went and got the baby's mother.' Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Hallelujah. Isn't it great when Babylon pays for the work of God? That's that's one for another day. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Then the Bible goes very quiet for a few years. Interesting how the Bible goes quiet sometimes, isn't it? So what's important? Verse 11 is important. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them in their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one of them in the wrong, "'Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?' The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me the way you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill their troughs towards their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? he asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man, who gave his daughter Zipharah to Moses in marriage. What happens quick, doesn't it? Zipharah gave birth to a son, and Moses called him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. He's going to sing the sting song at that point. (laughs) But we're out of time. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Mizion, And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to the bush, here I am. It's a good idea to talk to your plants, isn't it? (laughs) Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. You bet, he was a murderer. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Half an hour. (laughs) Three key points I'd like to draw out. Moses, I I looked it up, there's about 129 chapters about Moses, and... um, but we've, we, the, what the word of God seems to highlight is those three, five or six verses in Hebrews. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And I want to show us that by faith, Moses was protected, chosen and prepared by God. By faith, Moses made kingdom decisions. And by faith, Moses' life still continued to point us, point us towards Jesus. So Moses was chosen. He was protected and prepared by God. There are notes which I can give at the end, by the way. Now we see in the Bible that Moses probably had a stammer, he was a murderer, he was a coward, he was sometimes unconvinced of the presence of God, he was an arrogant man and he didn't even make the promised land, hallelujah, (laughs) and yet Hebrews 11 says that he is an example of faith, isn't God nice, isn't he good, isn't he good? God is so good. You know, let's be real and let's be open about the fact there are issues in our lives, and um, Janet was alluding to that this morning and others as well. There are issues in our lives, there's stuff that comes upon us, but let us remember that we are joint heirs with Jesus. We are joined to Jesus Christ. We are adopted as sons. Even you ladies, you are sons because sons inherit. Yes, you're daughters, but you're also sons. You're sons. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are loved and we are purchased with an amazing price. It's what we've been singing about this morning. He has paid such an amazing price for us. And I'm going to come to that a bit more later. But Moses had been born after a long season of increase. 430 years of increase and blessing and and increase for God's people. And all of a sudden, the history was forgotten and things started getting a bit grim. And I was thinking... Isn't it a bit like this country, you know, I was born in the 60s just by a couple of days. And even as I went to church or was dragged to church during the you know the 50s and 60s everyone wore a suit and everyone was going to church weren't they? There were a few sinners who washed the car, but on the whole on the whole people went to church. The laws of the land were generally god-based. But we're now in a completely new generation. Talking to Sheila, she was saying about when she came away from the Billy Graham rallies and you could hear, to God be the glory, being sung, and you could hear it running through the underground. And I sort of lay in bed at night just thinking of the, the amazing things. You just hear people singing the praise of God in London. And those days, aren't, the laws have changed, life's changed, and I don't want to go too far down that road. But we've gone from a time of increase, maybe a sense of, even a religious sense of the presence of God, to a pretty godless time. But what's happening, God is already on the move. He's already preparing someone. But in, a practical, in practical terms, Moses did not have a very good start to his life. Yet we're told in the word, he was a beautiful child. He was no ordinary child. New King James says he was a proper child. And then Exodus, the NIV says he was a fine child. But he was born into an atmosphere of terror and fear. You know, he was basically he was abandoned by his parents. The parents didn't stop and watch him in the river. They left the daughter to do it. How did, how did that affect Moses? For those of us who are into inner healing, how did that affect Moses? He was born with a death sentence over him, and he escaped that one. How how did a hello Levite woman who I married, <laughs> hello Levi husband, I'm going to have a baby. What fear came in? Yeah, but the king said we've got to kill him. What fear came in? What fear was going in to the young Moses before he was even born? But God knew the bigger picture. You see, God's plans and purposes are so much bigger than just my emotions and needs. God has a much bigger person. But Moses lost intimacy. He lost intimacy with his parents at a young age. And yet he went on and had incredible Encounters with God. What's all that about? Loss of intimacy with his parents and yet met with God. There were character flaws in in, in Moses' life, I believe, as a result of him being seemingly abandoned. And yet those flaws did not prevent him from moving in the call that God gave to him. You see, we all carry stuff. Some, Some of us more than others. But let's not, sorting out our problems, become the new idol in our life. I was greatly impacted by what David said about Abraham and Isaac. If you haven't heard the CD, please, please borrow it. Or if you've got the internet, listen to it on that. Such a key word. Isaac, the son who you love. He'd started to idolise Isaac. I'd never seen it. And sometimes you know, we go to our conferences and hear about we need inner healing. And all of a sudden that becomes our God. That becomes, I must get this sorted. And for years and years, it's our fallback position. But God has got a greater purpose. Yes, that was rough, but God has got a greater purpose for his friends. He really has. Let's not idolise my problem. I'll just go around and see John again for another 25 hours. Let's not idolise our problems and our issues. Yes, resolve, live in the light, but also let's move on in the call of God. You see... If we get too caught up in that, then we fail to see that God has got a higher purpose for us. He's got a calling for us. Moses achieved amazing things. He even appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Amazing. Who else in the Bible had character flaws? David, murderer, adulterer, how long's the list? Elijah, he was a bit of a mess. Elisha, what a state he was. Um, who are Peter? Let's not idolise issues that we're trying to work through. Let's keep Jesus and his kingdom first. And yes, let's ask him to help us with things that we struggle with. So Aaron and Miriam, they had been born into slavery, but they hadn't been born into this time of the edict that uh, they must die. So all this anxiety and fear was all piled into Moses. Yet God's work was doing a deeper and a bigger work. Let us try by the Spirit of God to see in all of this stuff, maybe even in all of our history, that God has got a bigger purpose. God knows what he's doing. Psalm 139. I really encourage folk to, in fact, read one Psalm 138 right to the end of 150 because it just, bless your socks off. But there are some verses here. This is what God says. And I could give some examples, personal examples, which, which could reinforce the point. But just let the Spirit of God speak to you if this part is for you. Because this is what God says, for I created you, verse 13. I created, this is what we say to God, you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast are the sum of them. That's what God says. Whatever the upbringing, whatever the circumstances in birth or childhood, that is the truth. God has got a bigger purpose and a greater purpose for us. Don't be sidetracked. Real faith accepts that God has a sovereign plan. If we feed on negativity, if we meditate on the negative, it's contrary to God's word. We can't move on. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. (laughs) Also remember that... The call of God does not automatically mean that all of my character flaws are sorted out. Moses met with God, and he was unconvinced, wasn't he? Well, well, who shall I say sent me? You've got a bush on fire talking to you. Who shall I send me? Leprous, not leprous. Snake, not... I mean, what is this guy on? Oh, I can't speak, I can't speak. Send my brother to do the talking. He met with God and still had his character flaws but he still got on with the work of God. Let's get on with the work of God, shall we? You know, I, I, I say this carefully, but I still pick up aftershocks from people who have had encounters with God. I've had this amazing encounter with God. He did so much for me. But you can just feel those aftershocks. There's still issues. And actually, it's becoming a bit of an idol. No, no. Let Jesus and his kingdom purposes be our, be, be our focus at all times by faith Moses made kingdom decisions I think this is an important part for quite a number of us this morning because despite his weaknesses despite faults in his character he had to make kingdom decisions and he made good kingdom decisions he didn't just sit up the mountain I can't remember how many times he went up the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights was it 2, 3 times I, I couldn't read all of Leviticus to get through it Well, that's a cracking book But he went up into the presence of God many times on his own. But he always had to come down to earth it. The people of God didn't move on until he came down and they got stuck in. As much as we may love the presence and the worship, we have to roll up our sleeves and get dirty and get untidy because that is where the kingdom is going to grow, unfortunately. So real life, we have real faith and we face real challenges in the real world. Moses had to face the challenges. Maybe the, 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 the challenge of rejection, desertion from his upbringing. He, maybe he couldn't even work out who his family was. Am I Egyptian? Am I Israeli? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Fight! <laughs> he, he had physical and emotional challenges because he chose to suffer with the people of God. He chose to suffer with the Israelite people. And he even chose to deny himself rightful pleasures. Rightful privileges. He, he made that decision, I'm going to choose not to have those. And he suffered for rejecting the wealth of Egypt. And then he went to the Israelis, and the children of Israel rather, and he suffered at their hands because they didn't get what he was doing and their problems increased when he started moving in what God had called him to do. But he was looking for something greater. See, Moses was a murderer. I mentioned that earlier. He even questioned God's call when he encountered him. And I think it could be that his childhood experiences had deadened him to the sensitivity to God's voice. And I felt the Lord highlights me, some of us here today, we are deadened to hear the Spirit of God because of experiences that we've had in the past. The good news is, Jesus has come to set us free. Don't be deadened come into new life in Jesus yet despite all of this that's never mentioned in Hebrews 11 because God is such a God of grace now we are called to make kingdom decisions aren't we yeah make kingdom decisions where we live where we work what church we go to where we spend our money how we spend our times where we go to retire these are all kingdom decisions that uh, we have to make but this isn't a legalistic list of stuff that we've got to get right please hear me on this it is a response to our love for God it's our response to what Jesus has done in our lives it's Lord I want to be part of your kingdom I want to work in your kingdom and serve you not because I must do this but because of the grace of God and Jesus Christ it's my delight to serve because of what you have done Matthew 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you as well. Make decisions for kingdom reasons because that is real faith. I could give many examples in in Julia and and my life, but I would say almost every time the last 30 years we have made decisions based on kingdom decisions. We've often taken the, the B road rather than the A-road. And sometimes we should have taken the A-road. I don't think we've always got it right. But we've always tried to say, what is the kingdom decision? I came out of Bible school, and, uh, and um, we had two young children, and uh, there was no work around at all. I kind of burnt my bridges. It had all gone. And I was seeking God for a new job, praying and praying and seeking and seeking. And I was offered two jobs on the same day, One was a kind of outward-bound centre, working with children about a mile up the road, and another was not so fun, (laughs) very challenging, a bit further away. And I met up with Mike, who I was leading the church with at the time, and I said, you know, prayed about it and so forth, and I really believe the Lord's opening the door to this outward-bound type centre, and the money was the same, the hours at the outward-bound slightly better. I said, yeah, you know, I, I feel good about it, prayed about it, I sense this is what God's saying. And he said to me great well, go for it talk to you. yeah great go for it so I thought, great I'll do it <laughs> the next morning I got up to read the Bible <laughs> and I turned to Genesis and I read the story of Abraham and Lot and the story is that you've got this land which is all desert and horrible and grotty and then you've got this really nice bit that's sort of flowing with valleys and greenery and waterfalls it's all lovely and the, Abraham and Lot couldn't work together so Abraham said to him Which one do you fancy? And Lot went, hmm, I think I'll have that one. So he went off to the lovely, flowery, beautiful place. And at that point, God said to Abraham, now, everywhere you put your foot, I will give you. I will give you everything. I will bless you. Because he chose. And I just felt God speak to me. So I wrote to his people and said, no, thank you. I don't want this job. And I went and took the other job. To me, that was a kingdom decision. I wanted to take the easy one up the road, But I believe that was a kingdom decision. And I'm sure others in this room, I know, looking one or two, have made kingdom decisions because it's about the kingdom of God. We need to make kingdom decisions and not be so tied up with me. Moses made kingdom decisions early in his life and during his walk with God. But eventually, familiarity and frustration with God's people meant that he missed the ultimate prize. If you are in any form of leadership, write this down. Numbers 20 verse 9 to 12. It's the time when Moses was so fed up, he said to the people of Israel, he said, he said, shall we bring water to the rock? And in anger he hit the rock and he missed it and he lost it. (laughs) Friends, those of you put your hands up who've known the Lord for more than 40 years, we have, we have guarantees of salvation. We have guarantees that we'll be with Jesus forever. Yes, yes, yes. But if we're going to make an impact for the kingdom of God, let us be so careful that we do not sometimes say, me and God say this about you lot. No, no, no. We are a family together. Moses take responsibility again and again and again and again. And then suddenly, just through exhaustion and weariness, he got too familiar with God. Yes, we love Jesus. Yes, he's our father. Yes, he's our brother. Yes, he's our friend. Yes, he walks beside us. That is all true. But also, he is an awesome, glorious, unapproachable God who is full of might and full of power. And I need to be very careful not to dance into his presence. All familiar. Oh Lord, we're going to do this today. We have to be careful. One of the drawbacks of being in a charismatic church is we can become familiar rather than reverent. And reverent doesn't mean... reverent can mean... Yeah, Let's be careful, especially for those of us who've been on this road a long time. God even had to say to Moses, remove your sandals. He didn't even get it. He had to be told to remove his sandals. Let's be a people of God who remove our sandals before God tells us to. Finally, I believe that by faith, Moses' life points us to Jesus. It's the whole story of the Passover. Hebrews eleven twenty eight 28 says, by faith Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of, sprinkling of blood so the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Now the beginning of Exodus tells us the story about God's people being delivered from Egypt and Egypt in the Bible is often a type or, or a picture of what the world is like a representation of the world. And God brings judgment on the Egyptians and he says that he's going to go through the whole land and the angel is going to destroy every firstborn. Now again, that sounds a bit harsh, Well, I thought he is a loving God. What's all, this? What's, what's, all that? what's all this about? Well, he is a loving God because he made a way, because he said to Moses, each family is to get a lamb, the lamb is to be sacrificed and the blood is to be put on the doorposts. Seems a bit old-fashioned, doesn't it? But when the angel sees that, the angel will pass over, so death would not come to the house. We could debate for hours about, is God nasty, and why do all these wars in the Old Testament? I don't know a lot of the answers to that, but what I do know is that God made a way. The Passover is what is highlighted in Hebrews. This is what is being written to the Christians of the time. God made a way and now he makes a way, a permanent way for us through the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And that is good news because there's deliverance and freedom today. Jesus came, he lived a life in the real life on a real earth. He never sinned and he gave his life on the cross and he died and he gave his blood that we could be freed and delivered. And we saw a couple of weeks ago again with David where Abraham took Isaac and and he said, the Lord himself will provide a lamb. What a prophetic statement that was. Because John the Baptist said this, he said, Jesus is the Lamb of God who now takes away the sin of the world. Jesus can take away your sin today, now. He can do that. It's because of the blood of Jesus that we're restored That's why we're saved, that's why why we have a right relationship with God, because of the blood of Jesus. And he still offers that freedom today. Not only new life in Jesus, but freedom from sickness, freedom from disease, freedom from from demonic oppression, by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Yes, we're working those things out. It's not a magic panacea. We are trying to work these things through. But this is what the Word says. And the more we pray for the sick... So as Barb would say, the more you pray, the more people are going to get healed. It's simple, childlike faith. It's real faith. Lord, I don't really understand all this, but if Jesus is real, let him show himself to me, talk to me, help me, because I need you in my life. Exodus goes on in 14, 15. It talks of the magnificent deliverance that God brings to Moses. And immediately, there's a problem. (laughs) immediately the people like me are moaning and groaning and whining and whinging but god again has already made a way he provides water and so forth for them so if you do meet with jesus if you do start walking with jesus it's not going to be easy it's going to be a challenge but he gives us someone called the holy spirit the third person of god who comes and lives within us and he gives us the strength and he helps us hallelujah Hebrews eleven forty says this. It says people in the Bible it says God has provided something better for us. People in the Bible who lived by faith, they had real faith in God, but some of them didn't receive what they'd gone for because God has provided something better for us. In the notes, I've put some stuff about which you can read about uh, some tips on practical living in real faith. Steve, can you come and join me, please? What I want to do is finish a little bit earlier because I really believe that the Holy Spirit has highlighted some things to folk and is going to continue to highlight. And once the service is finished, through the door there, there's loos and stuff. There's tea and coffee. It's all free. If you want to stop and have a chat, feel free. You'd be extremely welcome. But just before that, I just wanted to challenge us. Now, has the Holy Spirit spoken to you this morning. As I prepared this, I felt pretty clear where I was going to go and then as the days progress, I'm sure you guys know this, suddenly the Lord starts to highlight other things to you. There's, there's a number of things that I just want to, to, um, to highlight. You know, were you born in a fearful situation, riddled with fear? Was your childhood a disappointment? Was it just a mess? Was it a wreck? And is that holding you back, continually holding you back? You just start to move on a bit with Jesus and then, oh, but there's this. You know, there's freedom in Jesus today. Even if you've been prayed for before, ask again. Keep asking. Abandoned by your parents for whatever reason, God wants you to know that you have a higher purpose. He has called you for a higher purpose. There's work to do. Now Daniel and his friends were taken into captivity. You know, they were princes of Israel. They were taught in all the ways of the Babylonians. Probably Moses was even taught how to do the wicked arts of Egypt and so forth. But they knew there was a God in heaven. And they stayed faithful to that God in heaven. Do you know that God has been watching over you, even if you've been in appalling circumstances? Am I making kingdom decisions? Are we making kingdom decisions? About our lives, things we do, places we go, offering to help in the Sunday school, moving to Australia. What is God saying? What is God saying? Am I going to make a kingdom decision that may cost me personally? You know, can I really say, Father, not my will, but your will be done? I don't know, working on it. Are there character flaws that you want Jesus to help you resolve? Am I willing to ask for prayer? Am I willing to chat to David and John? Just say, can you help me with this? Just, just nothing heavy. Just help me get through this. My reactions, reactions of rejection, always wanting to be the centre of attention, tiredness and laziness and self-consciousness. Sorry, self centeredness, just kind of overwhelm us. You bring something to the cross, it dies, and then Jesus brings resurrection. God raises it to life. Even those things this morning we can bring to the cross, and God will raise us to newness of life. Have I ever accepted Jesus as my own Lord and Saviour? Do I even know what that means? Would I even this morning want to say, Jesus, whoever you are, would you start to work in my life? Would you start to talk to me? I just, can I just encourage everybody to stand for a moment? We're going to sing this song, This Is My Desire. and just let let this be your prayer